0: We're being joined on the Delaware Lottery Hotline by former Delaware Blue Hen standout and current Arizona Cardinals tight end, Ben Patrick. Ben, I appreciate you you taking time out of your schedule to join us. It's a real pleasure. Hey,
1: it's a pleasure being on, man. And, you know, anything for Delaware, I'm
0: all for it. That's awesome. A lot of people would love to be where you are right now. You know, you're you're living out the dream, playing football in the NFL. When you decided to transfer from Duke and come to UD in 2006, could you have imagined then where you are now? You know,
1: honestly, I had a, Idea that it could be possible. You know, when I decided to transfer to Delaware, I knew it would be a you know powerhouse one double A school where I'd have an opportunity to to, to showcase my skills, and, and it kind of worked out just the way that I hoped it would. So, you know, in that in that regard, I definitely did.
0: Well, getting into that the, the whole transfer process from Duke a little bit. What was that? What was a major decision or or the influence you had in making yourself a Blue Man for your final year of college eligibility?
1: Well, I uh, you know I did a lot of research on different schools. Um, Across the board, Delaware had a lot of the things I was looking for as far as having a fan base to, you know, support the football team, which I had never, you know, never had in my career at Duke, <clears throat> and also being able to attend a school where, you know, I could have fun as well as as, as have a, a challenging school. So with all those things along with football. You know, it fit the criteria
0: perfectly. Could you describe the atmosphere a little bit of being a football player at the University of Delaware as, as, a, as a prospect? I mean, when you, when you arrived on campus, you were a big name, even the, the year you had to sit out before getting on the playing field. And then you come in here, and, and the hype is, is unreal about you. You go on, you get uh, you, you lead all D1 AA tight ends and receptions, and, you know, you just establish yourself as a big-time prospect. What is it like being a player at the University of Delaware, a school that really loves their football, and a town that really loves their football, and basically being being the man?
1: Well, you know, it was definitely uh, for me. It was a sense of pride. You know, I, I always had pride, you know, going at Duke, and you know, that's where I graduated from. That's where I played ball for. But coming to Delaware, where the student body and the, the you know the city actually actually you know felt good about football I was behind them 100%. It felt good for me to to be able to be a part of that. So, you know, with that with that being said, that was you know everything I had been looking for, is to feel feel a part of something special, and you know, to have people respect what
0: you do. And going back to that one-year stint you had at UD, I mean, just an awesome, unreal ride. Like we said earlier, you led all, all D1A tight ends and receptions. You're the first ever All-American from UD, and you get invited to the Hula Bowl—the first ever blue Hen in that regard as well. As you look back now, a year later, what was that like?
1: You know, really <clears throat> getting caught up in the grind and focusing on, you know, what you know what was laying ahead. It was it was hard to really enjoy everything because you know, as soon as, as soon as something happened, I'd have to be getting ready for something else. But looking back on it, you know, it was even even now I still think it was pretty amazing some of the things that I was able to accomplish. And if it wasn't for, you know, Coach Keeler and the staff giving me an opportunity to come there, if it wasn't for my teammates and embodying and embracing me and working with me, you know, none of it would have been possible. So, you know, with all that, you know, it was a fun ride. It went by way too quick. you know. telling us. Another year. <laughs> I wish I had another year under my belt. But, uh, you know, it, it happened the way it did, and, you know, I'm grateful for it.
0: And you mentioned, I mean, you know, you were so focused on the next steps that maybe you, you you missed out on some of that enjoyment. Thinking back on that, is there anything you would have maybe done differently if you had the chance going back to last season?
1: You know what, I probably wouldn't have. You know, I probably wouldn't have. The, the path that I took to to get to where I'm at right now was was the right path. And um, I had my I had my share of fun at, at Delaware. And you know, the students were great. Made some great friends there. You know, I had a lot of fun with my teammates and had a lot of fun playing ball there. So I wouldn't really wouldn't really change anything if I if there was one thing I would have to change I would probably just would have slowed down my thinking just a little you know kind of embrace embrace the moment a little bit more instead of you know looking so far ahead but in the same breath you know I had to look far ahead because you know I knew what, what was possibly coming and I had to be ready for it
0: Again, we are being joined by uh, Ben Patrick on the Delaware Lottery Hotline. And, Ben, you know, you mentioned about the, the community and about how you kind of evolved into your position here and with the players and with the coaches. What was your relationship like with head coach Casey Keeler?
1: Coach Keeler was, was a good guy. Um, you know, when I came in to visit the school, you know, he, he really made me feel welcome. And I had confidence in his coaching staff and in his ability to, you know, number one, uh, get wins, number two, uh, allowed me to contribute to the team, and I you know, just had an overall good feel about the entire coach and staff. Coach, coach Brian Ginn, who I spoke with a lot, uh, Coach Coach Peek and my, my tight end coach, Coach Carter, at the time, Coach Turner, you know, all those guys. I felt really good about when I, when I came on my visit, and uh, after that it was, it was a no-brainer with my decision.
2: Hey, Ben, how you doing? Tim McDonough uh, alongside Joe Winning here. Um, after the season, going into the whole postseason process, the workouts, the hula ball, describe how hectic that was leading up to the draft.
1: I mean, it was, it was pretty hectic. You know, right after, you know, the, the season was over in Delaware, I had to fly out to California. I moved there for about three months. Went straight into training. Had to get ready for the East West Shrine game. And, you know, as soon as I got back from the East West Shrine, I was notified about the Senior Bowl, so I took a red-eye flight the day I got back. Went to the Senior Bowl. As soon as I finished that up, I had to get ready for the, you know, the combine. Combine's finished up. I had to come back to Delaware to, to train for Pro Day. Pro Day finishes up. I got a, you know, small window to breathe for a little bit, you know, get drafted and then right after that I'm headed to camp. So it was uh it was a pretty pretty serious 6 months, but
2: you know, it was it was necessary. Going into that whole process, is there kind of a stigma with 1AA players even though you played, you know, 1A at Duke? Is there something more to prove people see you as a 1AA player and you maybe have to prove yourself a little more than somebody else?
1: <laughs> well, I think uh you know, the biggest question is the, you know, difference in, in talent level across the board. One level compared to Division One, but you know, for me, you know, I, I didn't have any any doubts that I could compete at that level. And the same thing with you know with Joe Flacco when I left last year, you know, I told everybody everybody about him that I knew that he would be a high draft choice. And you know, even when I played in the Senior Bowl, I thought that you know he was right there, if not better, than the quarterbacks that were already there last year. So you know, the prove is in the pudding, he's got a he's got a long road ahead of him. But I got you know, a ton of confidence in him, and I know he'll do well.
2: And uh, going into the NFL, uh, one of the biggest adjustments has to be blocking. Here at Delaware, the tight ends are more of pass catchers really catching those intermediate routes. What's it like been adjusting as a blocker on the NFL level and going against guys that are so much bigger and stronger than you're used to?
1: Um, you know, I did a little bit of it at Duke, but, you know, I got a taste of it at the Senior Bowl, and it's just one of those things you got to kind of learn on the fly, uh, being matched up against, DNs are much bigger than I am. You got to be more technically sound. So you do a lot of film study and technique study and, you know, just try to try to gain any edge you
2: can. And Ben,
0: ben this is Joe again. Uh, after your 2006 season, you were regarded by so many scouts as probably the most well-rounded tight end in your draft class. And one guy who really seemed to love last year and looks like he has a pretty nice fondness for UD athletes in general was Mel Kuyper. In his 2000 draft projections, he had you landing in the second round to the Green Bay Packers. Now, somehow, you end up falling in the seventh round before you're picked up by the Arizona Cardinals. Can you take us through the range of emotions you went through last year on draft day?
1: Oh, man, it was, you know, the highest of highs and lowest of lows. You know, it, was, uh, it was an exciting time, you know, the draft, and, you know, for the first day to have completely gone by, you know, it was, it was gut-wrenching. You know, it was tough, you know, with my family and some of my close friends, and for it to uh, go from the, you know, second-round projection... And see so many other tight ends get picked ahead of me, and then the fall to the seventh round. Only, only thing I can think of is that it was just meant to be for me to play for Arizona. Um, I don't regret it. You know, I love, I love where I'm at now. I love the position I'm in now. But it was definitely a, a tough day. And. One that I don't ever want to experience again. It right. was a long, long two days.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. But, you know, the, the one thing that really came out, reading the boards and, you know, hearing from some of the experts, they, the Cardinals were ecstatic about the pick. They would, They said they would have gone after you in the sixth round if they had a pick in the sixth round. You know, and, and we're looking back at it now, a year later, a season with the Cardinals on your belt. Do you still feel like you, you had that need to prove those other teams and scouts wrong who passed on you? Oh,
1: absolutely. You know, that's that's one of the... One of the things I use is, is fuel in the offseason and, you know, to keep me motivated. You know, there's a lot of teams that pass on me for whatever reasons. And, you know, eventually, you know, eventually we'll come to that crossroad where I can have a chance to make those guys pay. So, you know, it's nothing definitely. personal. Business, business is business. But at the same time, you definitely keep that in the back of your head. And, you know, you, you see the other t- tight ends that got picked ahead of you or are playing for different teams. And you just kind of put that in the back of your head in a little memory box and say, you know, I'll remember that when it comes time to play.
0: Absolutely, and you know, even though it is, you know, it wasn't where you wanted to go. Can you describe what it's like having your name called at the NFL draft? I mean, it's still got to be such a rush.
1: Oh man, you know, like I said, it was the longest two days. There was a lot of disappointment, you know, within those, you know, twenty-four to thirty-six hours. But you know, once you know the coach finally called me and my name flashed across the screen, none of it, none of that, the other stuff even mattered. You know, I was just so happy. You know, my family, you know, my brother, my mom, all my friends. It was. It made it all worth it at that time, so it didn't really matter that I had fell to the seventh round.
0: And it might seem like a little bit of, of an odd question, but it's one I'm kind of interested. Uh, what would be like? Would you describe as being the coolest part of being a player in the NFL? The coolest part
1: about
0: being a player? And, uh, yeah, it's an, way to, it's an odd way to reference the question, but there's so much here about the nightlife. I mean, you know, you hear about the the traveling what would, if you had to describe it? What would you say is like your favorite part about being an NFL player now, on an active roster with the team? You know, some, some got got playing time this year. So you're obviously, you know, you, as, as a rookie, you got on the field right away. Is that how does that fit in?
1: I think it's it's a little bit of this. This answer is a little bit of a double edged sword. Um, being looked up to by you know so many kids and so many people and adults. You know, in one sense, you know, you, you don't really have a ton of privacy, but at the same time, I think it's pretty pretty cool to have so many people, you know, embrace you and you know want to be like you or just want to talk to you and stuff. So, you know, stuff like that will never ever get old to I me, mean, no matter how long I play. And and you know, I appreciate how you know how friends embrace you and you know, how people want to talk to you and stuff, just to just to see what your life's like. So, I think it's pretty cool.
2: Hey Ben, uh, Tim again. You're you're playing for Russ Grimm as a head coach and Ken Wisenhunt as an offensive coordinator. Two guys that have a reputation for being real hard-nosed, disciplinarian-type coaches. Is that the right stigma, or and what are your practices like under those guys?
1: I mean, our practices are, are always intense. You know, high pace, and you, when you get to this level with guys are this big and move that fast, you know, every every practice is going to be physical. You know, our coaches, um, both of which you know played previously. Which I think is a is is pretty big because they can definitely relate to you, you know, in certain parts of the seasons or certain way guys are feeling. But I think that uh, you know they're two really good, you know, two really good coaches, and you know I have I have no qualms, no problems with either one of them.
2: Yeah, absolutely. We've seen they really change the philosophy on that team over the last two years. Ben, you play uh, in the University of Phoenix Stadium. I mean, top of the line facilities. We saw the Super Bowl there this past year. What's it like playing on a stadium of that caliber? Driving up and having the opportunity to work out and practice and play in a place like that stadium?
1: Like I said, I couldn't. Have, you know, fell into a better situation. The only thing I can say is it was it was meant to be. You know, I'm playing in a, one of the best stadiums in the NFL, and you know our, our fans are coming around as well as we had some success this season. You know, the, the city. The city of Phoenix in the state of Arizona is, is beautiful if, if, you've, if you've not ever been. But, you know, this situation, it couldn't have been, couldn't have been sweeter to fall into to the place that I did.
2: Uh, you know, if about a month ago, some pictures came out of Matt Liner your quarterback, of him out partying and stuff like that. And the media seemed like they really overblow over the situation, saying that he wasn't really a leader. As someone on the offensive side of the ball, do you see Matt as your quarterback and your leader?
1: I see, uh, like I said, it was a double-edged sword with my answer as far as, you know, the privacy is concerned. And, you know, I don't really know the details nor have I asked, but to my understanding, you know, I don't, I don't really think that the pictures were really, you know, that bad or, or anything wrong going on, especially in the, the privacy of his own home. Like I was saying, you know, your privacy is exploited at this level. As far as Matt being a leader, of course I see him as a leader. You know, he's been working really hard this offseason. He's been staying on us. He's been staying on me. Being very critical of, you know, each route that I run, so I, I definitely see him as a leader. Who are some other the
2: guys in the team, the offensive and defensive side of the ball, that you consider leaders on that ball club?
1: I mean, you got, a, you got a ton of superstars who've been doing it for a long time. You know, Anquan Bolden, Fitzgerald, you know, Kurt Warner, you know, Edgen James. Is, I mean, you can go right down the line. There's so many veterans on this team that, you know, have kind of, on each side of the ball, have picked up younger guys and kind of took them under their wing, so... You know, our, our team as a whole, I think, is, is a group of leaders.
2: Absolutely, and I mean, you get an opportunity to play some of the best athletes in the world. Who's the guy on the defensive line? that has been the toughest for you to block, and what kind of linebacker or safety has hit you the hardest since you've been in the NFL?
1: Um, <clears throat> I mean, it's—I don't think there's, there's, if you want to say, an easier DN to block on our team. You know, we got a bunch of new guys coming in now, but you know, all the guys that I faced last year on our, our team were pretty tough and. Uh, safety wise I can't remember which game it was it's probably about how hard the hit was but I can't remember which game it was I caught a ball over the middle and, and took a pretty good shot but uh, it's it's a pretty it's pretty intense it's definitely you know far more physical than than college football and uh, you know you're playing with a bunch of grown men now it's not you know 21 22 year old you know kids it's a lot of you know grown men playing for keeps so not a whole lot of room so, for weakness there. Nah, not
0: at all. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> um, all right, well, let's talk a little bit real quickly about the NFL draft this past weekend. And, you know, another Delaware quarterback had his name called in the NFL draft. Of course, we're talking about Joe Flacco. You played a season as one of the main targets for Flacco last year. Were you surprised at all by the year he had this year and how high he went in the draft? I mean, did, could, did anyone really have that on their boards?
1: You know what? I, uh, I didn't just, It didn't surprise me at all. You know, when I came out last year, I was, I was telling everybody I knew that you know he was going to go high in the draft. You know, being the size that he was, being able to to move, to be able to move pretty well, and to throw like he can, it's no surprise for him to to have gone in the first round. Um, playing with him last year, I mean, that you know, him feeding me that many balls is what opened up doors for for me, and would open up doors for himself. So, I think uh, I think he's got a good shot to be something special.
0: Have you talked to Joe at all since the draft day? Have you had a chance to talk to him at all about what it's been like so far? I mean, I'm sure it's crazy right now for him, and I don't know how much availability he has. But
1: yeah, I knew it was—I knew it was crazy for him. I didn't, you know, I didn't bother him uh, after the draft. So I know how it was for me. And being that he went in the first round, I know it was even even crazier for him. So you know, I, I talked to him briefly a couple of days after, and uh, just you know, five or ten minutes, just talking to him about minicamp and you know what to expect, and you know. Wish him the best and to to give me a call if he ever had questions or just wanted to, you know, shoot the breeze a little bit.
0: And that's a special relationship you guys got going on right there. Um, and, you know, it's, it's great that you guys keep in touch. I mean, both you guys' transfers from D1A programs come into the D1AA, have immediate impacts. And I, I think it's outstanding that you're, you're there to kind of guide some of these players through the process. Now, we look at the NFL nowadays. There's five Blue Hens currently situated somewhere in the NFL. You, know, you got Joe this year, yourself last year, Mike Adams with the Cleveland Browns. And, of course, you know, we got o- Omar Cuff and Mike Byrne floating around in free agency. They both got picked up, Omar by Tennessee. Mike by Miami. What kind of statement is that for a D1A program, though, like UD?
1: Well, hey, like a, it's a serious football. You know, it's it's a D1AA school, but I think we've got, you know, Division One capabilities. And, uh, you know, Delaware's a, a great school. You know, it's, it's a fun place, place where you can enjoy yourself, you know, get, get schooling as well. And at the same time, you have, you know, proof is in the pudding as far as Coach Keeler and his staff. You know, they have put in, Guys to the NFL, and it's not just been one or two. You know, you got a handful, and you know, we're working on more, more to come. So, you know, Delaware is definitely a place where you can get it done on the field and off the field.
0: Absolutely, that's a great way to put it. Um, I want to revisit uh, your season last year a little bit, and really, uh, kind of an unusual trip you had to the active roster. What was the, I mean? What was that whole loop like for you?
1: Hey, you know, the highest of highs and lowest of lows once again. You know, I came in, you know, training hard and. I had an injury set me back, and you know I was put on practice squad. So, you know, dealing with that coming in as a rookie, you know that was tough. Uh, you know, being cut and then re-signed. You know, I got a, a taste of the NFL life pretty quick. And then, you know, I just kept kept plugging away, kept fighting, kept fighting, and you know, eventually I was moved up to the to the active roster and you know earned some play time. And, and two games after being activated, I scored a touchdown. So, you know, it was uh, it was one of those bittersweet. Moments, you know to have to fight and claw your way to, to stay on the team which is something you know i've never you know had to do in my my sports career so that was uh you know that was something new for me but to you know finally you know make an NFL touchdown in, in a big game you know, with three minutes left in the game it was uh it was bittersweet you know i wouldn't trade i wouldn't trade the path that I took you know for any amount of money uh, i think it was uh just just something i always remember this past my past year
0: and it had to just teach you, teach you so much about yourself and what you can endure. Oh,
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I was at the probably one of the lowest points in my sports career, not coming to a new team, not being able to perform and improve yourself and not knowing if, you know, you'd be cut again or, or whatever. But, you know, you just keep keep plugging, keep fighting away. And, you know, lo and behold, I was on, on the field, you know, with uh, 49ers with a few minutes left in the game and they called my number.
0: Yeah, that first—I mean, the, the first NFL reception coming against San Francisco. I mean, I, you know, the touchdown. I mean, what's it like? The first—the first catch. I mean, your first touchdown. What's that like? What's the experience? The emotions you go through on a day like that.
1: Well, after that first—that first catch, you just like, you're like I just made an NFL catch. You know, I could do this. You know, I—I I, I made a couple of blocks. You know, I'm holding my own. And then to to make a touchdown, it all happened so fast. I really didn't get a chance to embrace the whole whole thing until. Probably after the game when it really hit me, and I actually saw it on ESPN. I mean,
0: that was unreal. That was that was
1: pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty crazy to, to actually be watching watching myself on there with my teammates and around all those guys. So it was uh, it was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, it was always a big topic of conversation. I mean, on Mondays at Coach Keeler's press conference, you know, there always be a little talk going on about you know what what's been going on with Ben, what's you know the progress like, and it was always it's, it's been so much fun following you. Um Now, talking a little bit, you know, you got promoted, you went on, you played eight games, you got three starts. Those eight games, you had seven passes, two touchdowns. How does that measure up in terms of your expectations when you came in as a Cardinal?
1: Well, you know, I really didn't know what to expect. You know, I'm I'm playing around around so many superstars and so many guys, and having to work my way up the way I did, I really didn't know how it was going to turn out. But I think um, it's not where I want to be at, but it's definitely a, a building block and a step in the right direction. As far as what type of contribution I want to make to the team. But uh, I think for, you know, under the circumstances in my first year, there's always some things I could do better. But I think, uh, you know, that that little bit is a a good start in the right direction. Definitely a a big confidence booster to let me know I can compete at this level.
0: Definitely. I mean, you had to really open some doors with with your performance last year. I mean, you got to have the coach's attention at this point.
1: I hope so, man. You know, I hope so. And, you know, we'll, uh, you know, we'll. Get another reevaluation in, in OTAs and minicamp this this week, upcoming weekend, and you know on into uh, preseason. So hopefully, hopefully I can build on last year and then carry that on to, to next season.
0: Alright, I'm just going to ask you one more quick question and then we'll let you get out of here. Ben, again, thank you so much for your time. I'm not really sure how closely you're following the University of Delaware, the Blue Hens, but it seems like they got some serious studs coming back next year. Um, As a player who's gone through the process yourself, played along some of the big name Blue Hens for the next season, do these guys kind of stand out as you as a potential NFL draft pick or free agent signee like, you know, Omar Cuff or Mike Burnway this year? Yeah, I
1: think, um, I know with those two guys, and I personally played with them, so, you know, it's a little bit different as far as the new guys that are coming in. And I play with Omar and I play with Mike, and I think both of those guys have a, a very good shot of, of making those ball clubs. As far as the <clears throat> the new guys, I know of names just not having actually got to see these guys play and perform, tried to come back to the spring game and was unable to you know, because of some stuff I had to handle here. But the proof is in the pudding as far as Delaware. If there's guys with potential, I know that the coaches will push them to the limit You know, as far as exhausting all their resources to get the right people to see them. And I know that Coach B, I know Coach B helped me out a ton, our strength coach. He helped me out a ton, and I know he'll have those guys ready as well.
0: Absolutely. It's going to be another fun season. I mean, in three years full of fun football here, it's just going to be another one to add on to the list. Ben, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to come down here and join us. We really had a great pleasure talking to you. I feel like we both, really, myself and Tim, really learned a whole lot, and I hope you enjoyed our conversation as well.
1: Hey, I appreciate you having me at any time, and I wish you guys the best of luck. I'll be watching.
0: Thanks, Ben. Yeah, thanks a lot, Ben.
1: Take care.